Hey, what's up, everyone? Lexi Raffel and Michael Johnson here, and we are back for another episode of the Business Choreography Podcast. And today we have a very special guest that we are interviewing, and his name is Steve Benson. Just a little bit about Steve. Um, Steve is a CEO and founder of Badger Maps, the number one app in the app store for outside and field salespeople. Steve is also CEO of Badger Sales University. After receiving his MBA from Stanford, Steve joined Google, where he became Google Enterprise's top sales executive globally in 2009. In in 2012, Steve founded Badger Maps for outside and field salespeople to upgrade existing CRMs with mapping, routing, and scheduling. He also hosts the Outside Sales Talk, a podcast specifically for outside salespeople, and is the president of the Sales Hall of Fame. So we're super excited to be interviewing him today, and we'll cue the theme song, and then we'll jump into the interview. Listen, there's a lot to learn when growing and scaling your business. That's why we created the Business Choreography Podcast, where we talk about choreographing your marketing, operations, and sales into dynamic systems that increase your revenue and your impact. We'll explore solid business principles and discuss all things that make businesses dance to success with clarity. We'll help you figure out where the holes are in your business and what you can do to fix them. Think of us as your official business choreographers, aka your insider growth strategists. Remember, your choreography matters. Welcome to the Business Choreography Podcast. Okay, let's bring Steve Steve right on and welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. Hey guys, thanks for having me. Yeah, we're excited to have you. It's going to be a party, just asking you some questions about how you've grown this awesome business that you have. We're, we're excited to learn about your path and, and your journey. You know, life is interesting. It throws all sorts of crazy things at us and we have to kind of choreograph as we go. Obviously we're business choreography. So we like to talk about that idea and that concept. And, uh, and so we want to hear a little bit more about how you've kind of choreographed your journey to get to this point where you have Badger Maps and, and all this stuff's going on. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, a little background on us. Um, uh, so we, we were founded in uh, 2012. So I left Google then and, and started the business January 2012. And uh, we started out with just a basic product. Um, you know, it took us about a year and a half to get like the, the get something that was worthy of enterprises <laughs> to, to put in front of their sales teams. And what we did was we basically, the the, the earliest version just took a, a company's customers and put it on a map for them so that they could um, kind of see where everything was at on a map. And then later came the routing and the scheduling and, you know, the different uh, platforms like iOS and Android and, um, and then, you know, lead generation, all the things that we do today for field sales teams. But we started out with just like a little tiny piece of that. So I guess that's the, that was the first dance step in our choreography. <laughs> I love it. I love it. That's awesome. Nice. Um, How did you make that jump from Google into doing this and, and yeah. why, why sales in the field? Yeah. Right. Well, um, so my last job at Google and I held a couple jobs when I was there, but, um, one of my, my last one was I was running sales into the Western U.S. for our uh, the Google Maps API, which is basically uh-huh. the Google, Ma- Google Maps API is basically the way that you can make, take something similar to what you use Google Maps in your phone with and 
and right. it's their way of allowing people to build software with with maps and cool. um, and other types of geographic capabilities. So I was in charge of helping companies do that. And companies might incorporate maps under their website. They might incorporate it into a product, et cetera. But uh, one of the things that I was running into that didn't exist, but a lot of people were asking for that, you know, they wanted Google to do it um, was kind of a, a piece of software like Badger Maps is today. It, you know, they, they wanted, they wanted to be able to see all their customers. They wanted to connect um, and different people were asking for it in different ways. Like, you know, if they had Salesforce as their CRM, for example, they would ask right. for it, yeah. you know, we'd like to connect our Salesforce with, with maps and bring Google maps into Salesforce and be able to see our customers on a map and do the following things with them, you know, analysis and, um, yeah. routes and scheduling and stuff like this. And, uh, and so I was kind of bumping into this, uh, concept as, as, as a pain point for executives, um, and, uh, and their sales teams. And so, you know, Google, you know, generally doesn't build end-to-end pieces of software of this of that right. nature, right? They like to build the they like to provide the tools in this space, like they like to provide the the cloud computing, the database yeah. uh, capabilities, stuff like that. Um, but uh, they 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 don't actually provide the end-to-end. You know, they they don't generally build things like Gmail, which is you know an end-to-end complete solution for your email, right? Like they, right. they do it sometimes for enterprises, but they, they, when they do something, it tends to be a really big business like email, <laughs> but, uh, th- this is a much more niche thing. So that's not something they would do. Um, but as I looked at it, it seemed like it was something that was worth someone doing yeah. and, and Badger's, you know, not a huge business like Gmail, which is probably, I don't know, I don't know <laughs> billions of dollars in revenue they pull in with that one. But, um, you know, we're, we're a small company. We've got, uh, about 65 employees and, uh, we do like $5 million a year in revenue and, uh, and, and we solve a problem for the thousands of, uh, companies have. So a lot of people use the stuff. Wow. And, right. Um, you know, sometimes it's one sales rep at a company using it. Sometimes it's a big company buying it for 500 sales reps and wow. we can support either one. Very cool. Huh. Why, why the field sales then? Did you have, a background in that or did you just decide, Hey, this is a good niche to go into? Yeah. I mean, um, well, field salespeople were the ones that had this need, right? If you're an inside salesperson, you don't care where something is on the map, right? Like yeah. You're selling to New York one minute and Hawaii the next minute. Right. Um, but if you're in field sales, which tends to be industries like, you know, think about like a medical device sales rep. That's a great example. Right. But, yeah. but it can be, it's a lot of things, but it can be the guy that sells tires to the tire stores or beer to bars or, you know, tomatoes right. to Italian restaurants or cheese to <laughs> Italian restaurants. You know, think it could be lots of things um, kind of have this face-to-face relationship with um, in general, it's main street businesses. So like a dentist office or something. And, uh, you tend to reach those businesses with field salespeople. It tends to be the most efficient way to get stuff in front of them for, for products that aren't, that, that needs some selling, right? It's if a dentist wouldn't buy his rubber gloves necessarily from, from a a field salesperson. There's not like a rubber glove field salesperson. You buy that on Amazon or wherever you buy it online. But um, if the dentist is buying a, a, uh, you know, a laser or a new teeth cleaner or something. It, there's, it's an important decision. There's, it costs a lot of money. Um, they want to understand things. And so they, that, that would tend to be sold with a field salesperson. So, 
I knew a lot about this market because a lot of software gets sold to field salespeople, especially the expensive stuff. Um, more so back when I started my career than now, software has kind of become, uh, I'd say it's trended towards less ex- less money per seat and very it, uh, much more clear what you're getting and free trials, right. a lot more right. like uh, software has become easier to purchase than when I started selling software, which was, you know, 2006. Wow. So, Crazy. <laughs> Back then it was like you would buy a, you know, I, I was basically selling you a CD for a million dollars. And, you know, that was, that was uh, the way software used to be sold. And today and you didn't totally different. You, you, you would never use, you couldn't use the CD until and you couldn't like try out the CD uh, until you'd purchased it. And so there was a lot of risk involved and right. um, you didn't know that the CD would work for you. You didn't know it would work in your environment. There was yeah. a lot of spin on things. Whereas today, I mean, it's someone that's buying a piece of software, you know, you could always do a trial. If you can't, there's, you know, it's, it's a red flag. Um, <laughs> you know, you can try it out. You can kick the tires on it. You can make sure it works for you, that sort of thing. Um, right. Because, and it's, and it's not a big upfront expense and then you use it forever. It's, you pay for it monthly. So it's, the risk is really reduced and it's a lot easier to sell, I think, today. Um, and a lot, a lot easier to buy, a lot easier to sell and a lot easier to buy. But that, but anyway, right. my background was in field sales. And so that's, <laughs> that's how I kind of understood this space. And I'd spoken cool. with a lot of field sales executives who wanted to understand, um, who wanted, wanted to solve these problems. And that's how I ended up solving a problem for field salespeople. Wow. Cool. Um, we talk a lot about growth, right? And helping businesses grow um, from from startups to um, in between to, you know, people making more revenue. And so we wanted to dig into this a little bit with you. So what did you do that allowed your business to hit like its first growth phase? Because you've been in business for a while, right? And so yeah. what what was the first thing? Well, and we've been in, in business for a while, but there wasn't much growth at first, right? So <laughs> usually <laughs> how it goes. Yeah, I'd have to I'd have to go into the dig into the numbers, but like, you know, until twenty fifteen, you know, we really weren't making that much money a year. I mean, I think twenty fourteen was actually our first year that we really posted some some revenue and I cool. yeah, and, and that was a lot of that. I think we did hundred and fifty K outside of one deal, which was nice. three hundred and twelve thousand a year. Um so it was, we really did, uh, uh, actually, no, that was, that was a one-time check. That was a, it was a three-year <laughs> deal. We got paid so three years all at once for that wow. 12,000. And then the, uh, that's a whole story in and of itself, how to, how to get your first big customers. But, yeah. uh, but you know, so we, we, we started out and we, we got our first couple of customers. They were like consulting contracts mm-hmm. where we were, you know, kind of building custom things. And we, we didn't really have the money we, we bootstrapped this business. We didn't have the money wow. to actually, um, you know, build the software without any revenue coming in. So right. we, uh, while we were building the initial version of this, we were also doing little consulting gigs on the side, okay. kind of for the same people and, or similar people to, to, uh, I guess, get a better feel for the market and see exactly what people wanted. And also to build the first version of it on someone else's dime. Wow. Okay. Very cool. And so, was was it like that big deal that kind of shifted it for you guys where it really took off or was yeah, it well, the, the, big, the big the big deal kept us alive for 24 <laughs> there you go so we, we uh and there were only uh there were four people at the company at that point and and okay. um and i wasn't taking a salary so really there was three people that you know 
that were uh, were three mouths to feed, basically. So yeah. um, we we needed that deal uh, to kind of pay the bills um, right. in 2014, and then by by 2015 we had we had a nice stream of income. I think we were making like we were probably doing like 400 grand a year maybe 450 nice. by the end of 2015. And we, so that, that's when we started to be able to h- start hiring people, you know, adding to the team. Yeah. We just kept, you know, growing a little more than adding another person to the team, growing a little more, adding another person to the team. It's so helpful. I appreciate you sharing that because there's so many owner operators out there that are uh, kind of feel like they're on their own, you know, and they just, they don't know what's normal or what everybody else is doing. And so it's really great to hear that and be able to share that, I think with, with others that are kind of going through similar yeah. things. Uh, what's been one of the hardest things that you've experienced and overcame in business that you could share with people like them? Um, I think some of the hardest stuff is um, with respect to growing a company of this nature is just figuring out where you can invest and when, yeah. Um, getting access to capital loans or, or equity. I think, you know, it's a, a time, a time consuming process and, and not right. one that necessarily adds value to your business, but one that you have to do to, to keep it going. Right. I think that's been always a challenge. Um, and, and just being able to get insight and predictability into how much money is coming, you know, yeah. next year. And therefore who can I hire and when, or where can I spend money and when, yeah. um, and if, you know, in, in, in bad times, like when, when COVID hit, we lost 40% of our customers, right? Because they're wow. field sales teams. And so wow. field salespeople, you know, were just getting laid off left and right in, you know, right. June of 2020. And, uh, and, and, comp- and comp- or, or companies that had, a, a, you know, a big distribution or field sales model or just a, uh, they were just, I guess, a lot of companies in, in all, all, regardless of the sales model, a lot of them were going out of business. But, but our customers, especially, it was an especially bad group of people to be servicing because they service Main Street businesses. And so, you know, if you're selling to, you know, if you're doing business with Goldman Sachs, uh, you know, <laughs> and Coca Cola, they were here, they were here before the, the pandemic. The, the pandemic didn't achieve, it didn't affect them nearly as much. As right. It was like, you know, this boutique on main street in Kansas. Right. And our customers sell to that boutique in main street in Kansas. Right. 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 Oh my goodness. Crazy. I'm trying to think of cities in Kansas, Wichita. <laughs> <laughs> Wichita. What is in Kansas? <laughs> right in the sure. middle of the country there. You know, that's a, that's, so that's, that's kind of, um, you know, that, that, that was a challenge. So I, I guess that, that balancing, I get to answer your question. It's that the balancing of uh, where am I at right now, and, and and making those adjustments to stay on to stay on that balance beam. Uh, you know, on, on what, how much can I spend versus how much am I making, and and uh, keeping that in balance. Yeah, right. Yeah, constant battle, right? Constant battle for for a lot of people. And um, is that like still a thing, or is, was that like back? Yeah, in the day? I mean, I, I yeah. think if you're bootstrapped, that's always a thing. And even yeah. if you're not bootstrapped, you should pretend it's a thing because that's how a lot of companies <laughs> that are VC backed get themselves in big trouble, right? Because they, you know, it's like, oh well, I've got ten million dollars in the bank, so I might as well ramp up spending by five <laughs> you know, without real, you know, without a lot of thought to, well, when will I be? bringing in money when will i be bringing in five million dollars a year how long will it take me if i spend this five to to cover that because this vc money doesn't last forever Um, 
So I think that's that's always a challenge in any business. Uh, but I think the faster you're growing and changing, the more of a challenge that is. Right. For sure. Um, okay, let's dig into some of the strategies. We we love to talk about strategy, and so let's dig into um, some of your greatest sales strategies along the way. What have what have you done in terms of sales to really make this thing come to life? Sure. Um, and to grow, right? Yeah. Well. And I, I hear a little echo. I think I think uh, maybe if you turn me down a little, your your mic wouldn't pick it up. Thanks, thanks. I've been podcasting for years, so I I, I feel your pains. <laughs> <laughs> it happens, right? Um. So sales strategies. I guess you know it really depends on 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 where the business is at in its life cycle and um and kind of you know what how you're going to market what your strategy is to go into the market. So I guess right. you know, there's marketing strategies and there's you know, 10 of those that we've employed over the years. I mean, I, I guess we are mostly an inbound company. So we, okay. we mostly have people coming to us and then we, we service them, which is less expensive per lead, but the leads on average have a lower probability of closing than if you're doing more of an outbound strategy to exactly the right people. Right. So, you, you know, your sales team ends up spinning its wheels a bit. So we, we get about 700 new trial signups a week. And, 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 and that's been pretty steady for a while. Um, it's, it's been challenging to move the needle a lot on that. But, you know, those come from people finding us on the web when they search for how do I solve, they'll describe one of the problems we solve and they'll, you know, yeah. Google will, will uh, direct them towards us. Um, you know, we, we do, we, we run a bunch of Google ads. Um, we, uh, I have my podcast, um, which is specifically for field salespeople, which is super helpful, right? Like, right. Um, you know, it's a really valuable thing anyone can do is think about, well, who is the exact group of people that I service and create great content for that group of people. And, uh, the podcast has been surprisingly effective at doing that. So, you know, anyone can steal this strategy from me, you know, and we just, yeah, I, I reach out to sales thought leaders and, you know, basically have them come on and teach the thing that they're great at for field salespeople through the lens of knowing, oh, well, the people listening to this are field salespeople. It's called, and, and, the, and the listeners know exactly what they're getting because it's called outside sales talk. So it's clearly for outside salespeople. Right. Um, and that's been super helpful. Um, and, and, you know, I couldn't create that content myself, right? Like, you got to bring on people that are really good at it. Like real, you know, the, these sales thought leaders, this is their job, right? And they're happy to do it because it gets the word out for them. You know, sure. Their services tend to be consulting or some, you know, they, they, if you, if you're an expert in referral selling, uh, it's great to have them come on and, uh, you know, teach referral selling for field salespeople, for example, or closing or whatever, whatever area your area of expertise is. Um, Referrals have been another huge source of traffic for us. I think that's one of the cheapest and best sources of traffic. If you really solve a problem and really solve it well and, and your customers are really happy, they are far more likely to, you know, purchase your product and yeah. to have their friends purchase your product. So, and, and the one great thing about selling to salespeople is they've got 
they're great at communicating, right? They communicate right. with people in it really effectively. And so they tend to spread the word for us in a lot of ways. Wow. That's great. I mean, referrals are such a great way to go. Obviously we, we call that the promised land, right? Anytime you can yeah. get your referrals higher than your churn, man, it, there's a, some really great <laughs> things that can come from it. Right. And it's just all about having, you know, if people are really happy with this, if you do what you say you do and you do it really well, right? if there are a lot of people that need it and they tend to know each other, right? So they right. And to tell each other about it. That's great. That's great. Totally. Um, okay. So what were two of your best hires as you've been going along this journey? Um, that's a tough question. Uh, that I think the the best hires, the most important hires, the one you do early in, in a company's history, right? Um, yeah. It's the they're the most important hires you make because you know employee number fifty, they have just a smaller impact on the business than employee number five by you know an order of magnitude probably, and so yeah. the ones up front are are super important. Making the right choices there is is really really. And, and people, you, if you make a mistake early on, it can be catastrophic. A mistake at your 501st employee, you know, if it doesn't work yeah. out, you can replace them. You'll figure it out and you can replace them. <laughs> but, um, you know, if, if, you're, if your mistake is employee number five, it can really impact the business negatively. So um, early on, the, the, the first hire I made was, was someone to actually, uh, you know, run the, run the engineering of the product, right? So right. creating the thing. Um, and that was a really uh, fantastic hire. He's still with the company, um, wow. and, and he's you know had a really had his hand in, in you know I mean, he knows where all the bodies in the product are buried. He can you know it's uh, hiring someone who has the breadth of understanding of different elements of engineering, but also the right. the vision to create a new product. Cause I don't have that vision, right? Like I can say, Oh, well, here's what I want it to look like, but I can't say. And so we should use a database structured like this. Cause I, I'm, I'm not technical, right? My background's on the yeah. business side. Um, so that was a really important hire. Um, that first engineering hire, uh, the first product hire, which was the hire after that was, was equally important. And that person did product and kind of, all the technical elements of marketing and the website and um, right. was kind of a, you know, a catch all. And he, he was with the company probably for seven years ish. And he just a, a key hire and, and, you know, really, really had a, had put his fingerprints all over the product and what it ended up looking like. Third hire uh, was a guy that was kind of like a general business hire, help scale sales, marketing, um, interact customer success. And he was also a really, a really key hire. Um, and uh, as I go through them, I guess all these first hires were really, really important. Right. <laughs> still with the company and she, um, was, was customer facing and, and still is, and, and kind of, uh, you know, de- interacting with the customers, helping them be successful with the product. It, I think it's really important to over invest in your early customers and just kind of holding their hands because there's going to be rough spots in the product and, you know, implementation is hard and under it's not, 
as smooth as you'd want it to be on how to use the things. So you, you really need someone yeah. to like train and help hold the customer's hand and, and, and make sure they're being successful with the product. And then, uh, and, and gathering feedback from them and empowering that person to communicate the feedback around the organization um, is, is all really important. So yeah, I'd say those, those four first hires were, nice. were, were really, really important. And, and, I, I didn't have any whiffs on those. I was on the well. So, I, yeah, it sounds like you kind of went through unscathed. I mean, that's uh, seems pretty amazing and, and, uh, says a lot about your ability to read your people and the, and the people that you needed to get on board. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. And I, I, I pay less, a lot less attention to hiring now, obviously, you know, <laughs> because right. it's, it's spread out so much more and, and you got to let people hire for their own team, right? And make, make sure. the final decision if you're going to hold, right. you know, your VP of sales accountable for their number. Like they have to be the ones making the decisions around hiring. Um, but yeah, it's really, those early hires are, you really have to put time and effort and, and, and you know, the, one of the, one of the primary jobs of a recruit, of a CEO in an early stage company is, is salesperson. And probably the second most important is, is head recruiter. Right. Totally. Makes sense. Cool. Well, we want to make sure that people are able to find you and connect with you. And so what are the best places for them to connect with you? Uh, You know, the best place to find me and kind of learn more about me is probably LinkedIn. So just search Steve Benson, Badger Maps. uh, You'll find me right away. Um, You can't just Google me because there's a serial killer named Steve Benson. Oh, no. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> he, he's already dead, but he was a very famous serial killer. <laughs> but he's an old man or was an old man when he died. So, you know, I, it's not the same guy, but uh, wow. it's hard, it makes it hard to Google me. So <laughs> Yeah, that's a little rough. <laughs> but he, his LinkedIn presence is much, much weaker than mine. So oh, I would imagine. <laughs> you'll find me if you look for me on LinkedIn. <laughs> That's awesome. Okay. Well, we'll definitely send them that way. And of course, you've got badgermapping.com as well, right? Yeah. If you're interested, if you've got a field sales team or are interested in what we're doing or what it looks like, uh, that's the best place to learn about that is badgermapping.com. Awesome. Well, great. We've got that on the screen for those of you that are watching video. Uh, if not, we'll keep all those links in the description below sure. and make sure that you can connect with Steve and Badger Mapping. And uh, gosh, we, we appreciate so much that you'd take the time out of your day. I know you're doing a lot of crazy busy things and we mm-hmm. appreciate you talking to everybody out there that, that uh, is building their business and working on uh, getting better and, and taking to the next level. This was so insightful and so helpful and, uh, and we're so grateful that you could join us today. Absolutely. I'm, I'm, I'm glad I could show up and thanks for having me. Thanks for joining us today. Want more business choreography? Check out our website at bizchoreo.com to find out more. And find out how the choreography for your marketing operations and sales can raise your revenue and create more impact. Remember, every business needs choreography.